Hello and welcome to Weebspawn. We talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about continuing our Pokemon franchise with Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. As always, spoilers ahead even though the remake just kind of came out but we aren't talking about the remakes the originals and i do apologize for any audio difference i am currently on vacation with my family for thanksgiving so i did not bring my microphone so just bear with us for hopefully only in the next like couple episodes if that God, can you guys believe this guy? He has the audacity to go on holiday with his family and not put you guys first. If anything, I say that is the sign of a terrible host. So <laughs> send the hate mail because some nerve, I guess. Okay. Anyway, Diamond and Pearl. Pokemon Diamond Pokemon Ver- Pearl are uh, 2006 role-playing games. Developed by Game Freak and published by the Pokemon Company and Nintendo for the Nintendo DS. They were first released in Japan on September 28th, 2006, two days before my birthday, and released in North America, Australia, and Europe in 2007. Pokemon Platinum, an updated version, was released two years later in each region. And I I never really understood... so. I, I do understand Pokemon Platinum. They always do like their their alternate version, updated version, like uh, Emerald and uh, Crystal version and stuff like that. They always do that. And it's usually just slightly different in some ways. Pokemon Platinum, I feel like, was so different. I'm sure we'll probably talk about it a little bit. It was very different because they had like this whole like dream reality or alternate dimension that you could enter and Giratina had multiple uh, forms. It was weird. It was really cool. So I hope we talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, so I, I just one of the... It was just so different from the other updated versions that they did in the past. Yeah, one major thing too that uh, a lot of people liked is the pokedex and platinum was superior than diamond or pearl like you could get more pokemon uh i'm not sure if you got the national decks quicker because i never played platinum i've only played diamond but yeah everyone i i'm pretty sure it's like a, a pretty universal consensus that platinum was definitely way better than diamond and pearl by like a long Hmm. shot interesting very interesting i don't know if i thought of it as a superior game or not but i also didn't play it in the same way maybe pro gamers play it i played pokemon in a very different aspect in, in different ways so maybe i didn't see the potential that it had so uh remakes titled Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl were released for the Nintendo Switch on uh, November 19th of 2021. And the prequel, Pokemon Legends of Arceus, was released on the Switch January 28th of 2022. 
the games enjoyed more uh, commercial success than their Game Boy Advance predecessors, with around 18 million units sold worldwide. Diamond and Pearl have sold over 2 million more units than their predecessors, Ruby and Sapphire, and almost 6 million more than Fire Red and Leaf Green, which, in my opinion, are one of the best games in the in the franchise. Love those ones. Uh, I do think that Gen 2 was probably the best of all time, but that's a debate we can have in the future. I'm sure we've already had that debate before, but it's fun to round back on that, circle back. And while outselling their successors, Pokemon Black and Pokemon White, by over 2 million copies. So this game has just been killing it. This was a really good franchise, like uh, installment of the franchise. So I will give them a little bit of praise there. Uh, the games are among the most successful games, uh, Pokemon games of all time. Yeah, I definitely think we'll talk about it a little well, just coming up about some of the features. And there's one main feature that I think really made like made this boom. And we'll be talking about that in a little bit. So I'll say that for then. I think I could guess what it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can. <laughs> save it. All right. So going into Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, just like all the other previous installments, there are going to be some new features coming from uh, the new ones from Ruby and Sapphire. For instance, one is the day cycle has been updated from being now morning, day, afternoon, evening, and night. So it's not just day and night. It's not just day, midday, or whatever, afternoon, evening, whatever they had. Now there's five separate parts. And just like the predecessor's, the day cycle influences what Pokemon appear and what certain evolutions can only happen at certain times of the day. For instance, Gligar can only evolve into Gliscor at night. And like always, there are going to be certain time events, such as Drifloon only appearing at Valley Windworks on Fridays. Dude, the first time that that happened to me... I was like, what the fuck is going on? I had no idea that that was an event, and I had to Google it because I was just <laughs> so confused. But yeah, Why, there's just neat. like a random-ass Pokemon there? <laughs> yeah, they're just like flying around, and it was it It's was good for uh, a Nuzlocke, because I think that would technically be considered a static Pokemon, because it just... At least the one at Valley Windworks, mm -hmm. like one will just appear in the overworld. So you could technically use that as yeah. a static Pokemon. Because I know a lot of Nuzlocke's include, like, you can get your route Pokemon, but then static Pokemon are, like, their own separate thing. True. And even if you weren't playing it that way, like, say Bloom is not considered static just because of the nature of how you can get them otherwise you could always plan it like okay i'm going to enter this town at noon on a friday so i can get drift bloom as my first really Pokemon, if that was and honestly concern. drift bloom is one of my favorites in this gen it, it's such a simple design but like the pokemon itself it's ghost flying which is a pretty cool typing in itself 
but just what it can do like it's very defensive pokemon but then it can deal out a lot of damage as a special attacker and like a lot of people will say, oh, it's just like a hot air balloon. Like, it doesn't have to have, like, this ultra-mega perfect design. I think how they did it, sim like, how simplicity they did it, it has just enough detail but just simple enough that I think the design aspect is good. And actually using him, it was so good. I loved using him. It was a bitch to go against in the Elite wow. Four. <laughs> Yeah, freaking spam sure. minimize then baton pass and then now you have a gengar whoever the ace pokemon was with freaking time six evasion so you can't hit shit and then it's just one shot in all your pokemon um, a <laughs> little bit of pent-up aggression and um hostility towards this drift yeah a little bit um I'm going to take a different aspect because you said it doesn't have to be, like, the best-looking Pokemon. I'm going to take a different stance and say all of my Pokemon are chosen because of their looks. And if you're not a player who cares about your Pokemon's looks, are you really a good player? Yeah, that's what, uh... Sorry, someone <laughs> was at the door. <laughs> yeah, and for all of those who have played the new Pokemon, Scarlet or Violet. A lot of my team I chose, I always liked, well, one, I always liked only using Pokemon new to that region because there is a lot of Pokemon from all over that you can find. So I like to only use the new Pokemon. And a lot of mine end up sharing a lot of type overlaps because I was choosing them based on looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, eventually we'll get to Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, which I, by the time we get to it, I probably will not have played because I am behind on the Pokemon franchise. But, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to kind of learn a little bit about that one because I've seen a little bit of controversy on it online. So it might be fun to dig into that and see what Pokemon's doing and where we see the future of their franchise yeah, going. We, like I said, I don't want to get too much into it because we could have, we'd literally have a whole other yeah, yeah. But one quick question. Did you, I forget, did you end on Ultra Sun and Moon? Because I know you don't have a Switch, so I know you didn't play Sword and Shield, but I just don't yeah. know if that's where you stopped. Yeah, I'm... Uh, uh, just regular Sun and Moon is where I stopped. Okay, just regular Sun and Moon. Yeah. So, okay, you're not that far because... I think there was only Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. But which... I will admit, I have never finished Sun and Moon. Or oh, Sun, okay. whatever one I have. Probably Sun, because I got Moon. Yeah. Then. And Sun was the fire. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, then I definitely Box have. Legendary. <laughs> so, yeah, another added feature was the Pokemon moves, them, changing the Pokemon moves themselves. The previous generation created the physical special split among types. Uh, for instance, Dark was considered special regardless of if a move like Pursuit was used. In this generation, that categorized moves into three categories. Physical for any moves that physically hit the opposing opponent. Uh, special for any moves that do not make physical contact. And status moves for moves that do not deal damage. And I feel like this distinction pr 
it definitely changed how kind of battle was prepared in some ways because i mean as we just mentioned the dark being considered special move regardless like pursuit is a physical based move so it kind of changes up certain things because i know some pokemon have the special abilities where if they're attacked by something physical it produces a status effect on the opposing creature so it kind of can change the way battle was engaged with and I know oh, that this is more. 100%. Of, I was gonna say I know this is more of your topic since you kind of got into more um, Pokemon battle type things and kind of balancing out Pokemon EV and IV stuff. So I know that's more of your topic because I was never one to really be very strategic in my battles. Yeah, I mean that didn't recently come up until about Sun and Moon when they made it really easy to get IVs and EVs, but. I did do some research about this because I did find it fascinating because like because of all these changes, there was a lot of shifts in what was considered a strong Pokemon. So like if any of you guys play now, you got a lot of people will know Alakazam is a glass cannon. He has extremely high special attack, but almost no defense and Gen 1 he was a monster because they didn't split special attack and defense. So his special was crazy high because he already had spe high special attack. That also meant he had crazy special defense. So that's why Psychic was so overpowered in Gen 1 is because there was no split. Then Gen 2, they made that split. So now Alakazam got weaker because now they had a special attack and special defense little going on. And then, like we said, in Gen 3, they even changed the typing, which hurts some Pokemon. So like Sneasel, who is a fast physical attacker and dark couldn't use its high attack stat because Dark was considered a special move. But now we finally get that physical special status split in the moves and not just the typing. So now Pokemons like Sneasel can now actually be devastating with that high special attack with the stab Dark moves now. And so it really changed like especially if you're talking about competitively it really changed the meta for pokemon with this split and a lot of people may think oh it should have been like this in the first place but i mean at the same time it was the first game so they had they're like what stats do we need attack defense special speed and then they're like oh yeah maybe we should split special to special attack defense and then the typing, I think they should, probably should have done this a gen earlier, but they tried doing it, the typing, like, oh, these are going to be all physical, these are going to be all special, and then you make a physical attacker with a special type, type, and I'm just like, alright, that, what are, you, what are you trying to do here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could... I feel like overall, this the system itself can get really messy if you're not careful with it. So I can see why it took them a while to just start to actually perfect it a little bit. Because in theory, it seems like it can be simple. But then as people start getting more serious about battling, 
and things like that, it's like, okay, maybe we have to pay a little more attention to this and actually iron out any kinks we might have here. Yeah, and especially if you had to realize this was also, like you said, back in 2006. Right, and which is crazy <laughs> to think about. Yeah, and so like a lot of people who are playing it now are like already know like, oh, yeah, like they know by heart like, oh, this is special this is a physical attack and everything. Well, yeah, because ever since 2006, so what, that's 16 years now? Yeah, it's been that's like wild. this. Yeah, so you gotta remember, it's been 16 years since this happened mm. and over 25 years since Pokemon has been out. So they had to change their battling system because. I'm sure they expected it or hoped it to be popular, but not one of the best-selling franchises of all times at that yeah. when they first made the game. <laughs> yeah. Like, not even, like, the best-selling... Uh, it's just... Not even, like, the best-selling of just Nintendo. Like, just of all time. It has... It's a multi-billion dollar industry. It's absolutely crazy. I don't think you can even plan for something to explode that big. Yeah. You could, like, walk down to anyone in the street and show a Pikachu plushie. And people who aren't even Pokemon fans could probably, I would say roughly like 80% say, that's Pikachu. As someone asks, who's this? Yeah, even our parents who thought every Pokemon was Pikachu, they would get that <laughs> question right. Yeah, because eventually, oh, that's <laughs> Pikachu, right? No, oh, that's the fire Pikachu, right? <sighs> I don't know anyone who actually said that. but No, neither do I. I think any parent who did, did it just to get a rise out of their child. Yeah, my my dad always would like Pokemans yeah. instead of Pokemon, and I'm pretty sure he just said that to irritate yeah. me. Yeah, always the the plural men, Pokemon. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm like, you're literally just changing one letter. I know you're you're doing this on purpose, but it irritates me. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> another key feature that this game use a lot of the Nintendo DS's new features in mind being the first Pokemon of the franchise to use Wi-Fi for battling and training. No longer did you need cables to connect each other or be even in the same room with those wireless adapters that came out. Now you can connect to your Wi-Fi and battle or trade with people from all over the world. Trading was a bit more restricted than it is now when we are using the Global Trade Center because you can only offer Pokemon and then choose a specific Pokemon for trade, meaning there was like no wonder training yet and it was restricted to offer Pokemon for a specific one. So you couldn't just put like, eh, I'm just going to put this Onyx up and see what people give me. It was like, oh, I will trade an Onyx for whatever Pokemon you wanted a Rampardos or like you traded a shield on for Rampardos because you couldn't get the fossil Pokemon. That was like a popular trade was you would find the whatever version exclusive and put it for trade for the other version exclusive. And that way you could trade. But this right here is what I think made the diamond and pearl like the best selling of this or one of the best selling ones is because of this added wi-fi battling this is when ever, a lot of people 
actually started Wi-Fi battling and competitive Pokemon slowly started becoming a thing and it became more accessible to people and then this is where I think it starts its like train with how competitive battling is nowadays. Yeah, so I just need to say, I remember when we first had the wireless adapter, and that was like the most revolutionary thing we could have <laughs> ever gotten. That thing was fucking sweet. Um, and then Wi-Fi battling. I feel like just the Wi-Fi connection wasn't really that big of a deal because we were like, oh, well, we have these adapters, so it's not much different than that. But it was actually so much a much bigger deal than we even realized but yeah, okay, I just, so yeah. while you were bringing that up, can we just talk about how like some of the old Pokemon commercials I think are just so much better than they are now? I feel like commercials like, in general are so much better in the past than they are now because I feel like everything's just so modernized. Yeah, and there's just not much trying anymore because there's like this algorithm that they know gets the point across while saving money but back then like the fucking pokemon commercials went hard it's funny i remember one of the first ones is the guy the bus driver who like picks up all the pokemon and then he brings them to like a scrapyard where he flattens the bus (laughs) full of pokemon and then it turns into the game boy (laughs) like imagine if a kid was still on that bus that dude is going to prison (laughs) I love I I don't remember the wireless one all that much. I just remember when they uh, showed the features. It was almost like being in a Pokemon game because like the two kids locked eyes and then they just swung out their Game Boys with the wireless adapters and then just instantly started battling. Mm-hmm. And I was like as a kid that was so awesome to see like the commercials really did the job well because we were like holy shit this is we need this yeah and the wireless adapters were actually pretty legit like yeah they were they it worked pretty well i think we only had like like the first time we ever tried it or something like uh we were like right next to each other and it wasn't working and then we we're like oh let's take a step back and they're like oh hey it works you just <laughs> Don't be butt up against each other because that's not what they're made for. <laughs> yeah. It's like kids, this you, you guys don't have a cable anymore. You don't need to be that close. <laughs> no, we got PTSD for the cable. We can't be too far. Oh, God, <laughs> brings me back. But yeah, it was uh, it's really neat though. Like, cause that that made it. We didn't even have to leave our houses to battle each other or anything. We're just like, hey, you want to battle? Sure. And not to mention, I think. Uh, Black and white had a really good system too because they had that whatever like little world you can go into or uh, I forget what it's called but like on the bottom portion of your DS it will light up if like if you have like a friend and it will light up if they're on and then you could just click them and be like request to battle request to trade it was so oh, much yeah. easier yeah I remember that yeah they they slowly kept improving on a lot of the things that we didn't even realize needed improvement on. Yep, and it all started here. Yes, it did. Ah, good times. So another thing that was uh, continued on is the Pokemon contests. 
and that their events, which the player and their Pokemon compete in to show, like, to, to, sorry, let me retry that. <coughs> Another thing that is back is the Pokemon contests, and they are the events in which players' Pokemon compete to, in shows to win ribbons. And in Diamond and Pearl, they consist of three stages, two more than the contest of the Game Boy Advances. Uh, this is the visual competition stage where players use the Nintendo DS's touchscreen to place accessories on their Pokemon to uh, boost that particular trait, such as cool or cute, and earn points. The dance competition, the player must tap on buttons on the screen in rhythm with music. And the final stage is the acting competition, and this is similar to the Pokemon contest of the Game Boy Advance games. And the Pokemon use their moves to appeal to the judges and crowd. And like the Pokeblocks in the third gen games, baked good called uh, Poffins can be made from berries and fed to the Pokemon in order to boost a particular trait and therefore the likelihood of success in relevant contests. And I was really into the Pokemon contests a little bit in Ruby version I was into it for like a little bit and then I'm like, all right, this actually isn't that cool. It's not really what I want in a Pokemon game. So by this gen, by fourth gen, I just didn't care at all about Pokemon contests. And I don't know how many people did. I don't know if this was actually a popular aspect of the game that I was just kind of overlooking. But I never really did the contests in this one. For me, Pokemon contests were more of a like end game type thing as in or like after credits thing so after i beat the elite four after i did all that i was like huh what else can i do oh yeah those uh contest things that i paid no attention to throughout the entire story <laughs> let's go back and do that I'm like why not i have overpowered pokemon maybe they'll be overpowered in the contest yeah, I can see that. I was I was just never one to ever come back after I beat the game. I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> like, I wasn't one of those people who were like, you only beat the game when your entire party is level 100, or you only beat the game once you, like, get every achievement in the game or whatever. I was like, complete I beat the, the game. Complete the Pokedex. <laughs> yeah, complete the Pokedex. I was like, yeah, I beat them. I'm done. Yeah, I didn't really start doing that until, like, later gens. Uh, trying to compete the uh, Pokedex because shiny hunting can be fun, um, but it, it can also be very frustrating depending on what Pokemon you go in and how long it takes you. <laughs> but one thing with the contest that I thought was pretty cool because I saw it in the anime and they brought it here was the like capsule capsule balls. That you could put stickers on, and when you throw them out, it would be like raindrops or sparkles, oh, yeah, or uh, like so you can mix them, match, and like have fire and smoke come through. And that was honestly the only really thing I liked about the contest. I like you said, I wasn't a huge contest fan either, but that little extra little sparkle, like pizzazz. Uh, yeah, that would show up was actually kind of cool. 
It was the only reason I collected stickers in that game. <laughs> I think that... Uh, I think I collected more in the remakes because they were a bit easier to find. But, yeah. Though, those really were the only thing that kind of interests me was the just the seeing the little animation of the Pokemon coming out like it's a shiny... But it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to fool yourself. And that's all that matters. It's fool's gold. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then one last thing that was integrated in this is the underground, which was honestly probably one of my favorite parts of this game. You get access to this after you beat the first gym, and you can dig for fossils and other items that could be helpful to use such as evolutionary stones or like the plates, like the fire plate that if you give it to a Pokemon, it boosts their fire moves, so on for each type. Uh, shards that you trade for various goods like TMs and uh, pearls, nuggets, stuff like that to get extra money. But not to mention, this is where you could actually make your base. And if a player visits a secret base of another player, they can actually steal that player's flag. And after successfully returning the other player's flag to one's own base, the player's record is updated. The number of flags captured, either from the same opponent or several ones, upgrade the player's secret base's computer. I think it was like three times for bronze, ten times for silver, and thirty times for gold, and... 50 for platinum uh like how many flags you have to steal but i forget each one and uh each upgrade changes the graphics slightly the icons resemble the evolution of a person's computer technology and also allows the player to remove additional boulders from their base using the store option of the decorate menu this allows more room for goods to be placed Boulders that have been removed cannot be placed back in the base, although they will reappear if a new base is created. By default, players can only place 10 goods. And if you played the remakes, that secret base is dog shit compared to what we had in the original. Is it? I and haven't played it. Adam. Literally, the only thing you can do in the remakes is place statues, which boost the likelihood of certain Pokemon to appear. So if you put like a Togekiss, fairy types, because it's their primary thing, um, I think you have to have at least three statues of the type, whatever. It would basically boost fairy type Pokemon to spawn in, but also if you have like multiple Togekisses, it will boost the likelihood of Togekiss spawning. But that's it. You only place statues of Pokemon in your base. That's it. I feel like that's a common theme with Pokemon lately, is they've been like slowly taking away the minor features of the games and kind of leaving something to be desired as you play. Um, yeah, I don't know. To be upsetting. fair, they did add those like secret dens, which you can only find Pokemon underground that you can't find normally in the game, which was amazing. But then it's like, 
so we traded that feature for basically like secret base customization. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But either way, uh, since it's I guess not about the remakes, it's about the original. Uh, I spent so much time in the underground tunnels because I believe the tunnels change depending on where you dug down into them. So depending on the city you're in will change which tunnel layout you get, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, I were, I was in these tunnels for so long, just digging up gems and uh, fossils and everything. And it was just such a fun thing to do. I don't know why. It was like a little mini game within the game. I don't know even what game to compare it to. But yeah, it was a lot of fun because digging up the walls and trying to get all the good loot before the wall crumbled was really fun. But it was so upsetting when you would be digging at a wall and then you get a glimpse of like a fossil or a revive <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm going to get this. And then the wall crumbles before you can unveil it. And it's like, damn it. That's always the worst feeling. Uh, do you remember a game called Spectros? Yes. Um, I'm going to quickly do a Google search because I remember it, but I don't remember anything I'm- about it. I feel like you got me into it, or maybe we both saw it and uh, we got it into it. But I think that might be the game you referenced because in order to get like new monsters, you have to dig them out. Oh, I do vaguely remember this game. Yeah, I don't I, remember if it was actually any good. I loved but... it when I played it. I loved it because. Uh, it, to me, it was very like similar to Pokemon, but different enough that it was good because it was just a monster collecting game with different typings, and some of the monsters were really cool. But uh, I do know at like some point it got to be kind of grindy, or like I don't know if it's because I was just kind of going straight through the main story. Um, so I was probably under level than what they expected, but there was a spot where I did have to grind, which was a little annoying, but that yeah, happens I'm, in those kind of games. Yeah, I'm going to quickly, I'm pulling up Steam. I want to see if it's on there, because maybe we can do a, a playthrough one time and then do an episode on it, just to see how nostalgia holds up. Yeah, the... Um, Yeah, the graphics probably aren't going to be the greatest <laughs> because no, that not. was, uh, I think it was on the Nintendo DS. Yeah, so it I'm not, was. I, I'm looking up some pictures. Yeah, so I'm not sure if uh, Steam might have it, but we'll look into it because that might it be actually, a, oh darn, that, that would be a fun one to talk about too. Since it's similar, but like I said, just different enough to it's its own game. But yeah, I'm sure there are some gameplays of it that we can quickly watch. It's probably not that long of a game. No, not if it was a DS game, probably not. But Man, nostalgia. Diamond and Pearl was a good new generation. I'm trying to think. 
What? No. What's? Did Ferrothorn come from? No, Ferrothorn was black and white. Yeah, Ferrothorn was black and white. Um. Yeah. What was your favorite Pokemon from this gen? That's what I've played every generation. So. Okay. Sometimes um, it's uh. <laughs> I'm trying to look up the Pokédex right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm scrolling. Sometimes through. it's just well, I get mixed up with like what gen they. What was your starter um, for this one? Turtwig. Turtwig, I believe yeah. my first starter was Chimchar because I'm always a f- starting off as a fire type, but yeah. I preferred Turtwig after my second playthrough. I, I just love Torterra. I think he looks really He's cool. So sweet. Honestly, the last evolution of all three, the Empoleon actually looked pretty good too. Yeah, honestly, I think. I think uh, Infernape was honestly the most lacking of the three. Looking like in terms wise? Of looks, yeah. Okay. Because I was about to say. And personally, I think Torterra, Empoleon, and then Infernape. Yeah, I can see that. For me, 100% Torterra was the coolest looking one. But I mean, he's uh, a goddamn turtle. He's so sweet. <laughs> he's a turtle dinosaur, pretty much, yeah. with an island on his back. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Infernape, though, typing wise and stat wise is like the oh, best starter for especially for this region because he's like I forget what it was but he's he can have like a super effective move for like I think 6 out of the 8 gyms and then like half the elite 4 so statistically if you're doing it it was uh Infernape is the best but Yeah, but with Torterra just use earthquake bing bang boom <laughs> done <laughs> Um my favorite Pokemon of this gen, I think, was Gibble evolved to Garchomp. I, uh, just, I, I love thought it was Garchomp. Uh, Rampardos is cool, but he just wasn't my favorite. I didn't ever actually find him that powerful, so I never used him all that much. He is well, I don't cool think you actually ever used him because uh, I mean, Rampardos was, was Diamond. I, I thought you had Pearl. No. Oh, I thought you had Pearl. No, nah, I was Diamond Guy. Oh, right. Because I was pissed because I wanted Bastidon and it was Pearl. And I was like, damn. I'm pretty sure you had Pearl because I remember doing a trade with you. No, I had for... Diamond. I think, oh, wait. That was the one. I don't know how, but I got both versions. Hmm. I don't, I think. Oh, I remember what happened. <laughs> so, my. So I don't know if it was your friend or my friend left a copy of Diamond at my house. And then they just mm. never came back for it. <laughs> and so I bought Pearl since I already had Diamond. So I could get the like version exclusive since you had Diamond as well. Because normally gotcha. it works out almost perfectly. We always end up wanting the mm-hmm. opposite ones. And that's how I, that's, I'm almost positive because I don't ever remember buying diamond. I'm pretty sure I got it because someone left it at my house and never gave back for it. (laughs) I'm like 99% certain that's what happened. That's pretty sweet. Um, Looking at it, Bastion is definitely up there. Driftbloom is up there. Um, Let me finish up. Looks department Drapion is actually pretty cool. 
Drapion. Which one? Oh, yeah, Drapion. The Scorpion. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> mm, if we're going, like, just based on looks, I honestly, I might have to do either Bastidon or Torterra, to be honest. I They both are kind of, like, similar vibes because they're... They got the. They're both dinosaurs. Fen. Yeah, I I always like the fossil. Like a lot of the fossil Pokemon are really good, but yeah, I think look wise, I, I I'll go with Bastidon. Yeah, that one's pretty sweet. Yeah, I think mine's still Garchomp, but uh, I also really liked Luxray, the electric Sphinx. Oh right! I, for some reason, wasn't that, that was... Ruby and Sapphire though? Didn't he appear in Ruby and Sapphire? Oh, you might be right. Because he I might just be saw them in on this Pokedex. Yeah, he might be in this gym. Oh, wait but... a second. Um, maybe not. But I thought because I, I thought it was, was Ruby and Sapphire. Because when you go, um, Shinx was released in the Sinnoh region. Oh really? Uh, Gen. Gen five, four. Wow! For some reason, I oh, it was Minetric, Electrolyte and Minetric. Oh right. Were in Hoenn. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, Luxury was actually my first Pokemon I got to level one hundred. Oh, nice. We both got Electric Pokemon to level one hundred. Yeah. Because mine was Magneton. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that Magneton was a beast. Roserade, though, is also... I almost forgot. Roserade. I really wanted a Roserade when I uh, played. What a weird Pokemon to want. Like, out of all of them, that's the desire you had. Because you... Look up Shiny Roserade. Okay, let's see. Shiny Roserade. Boom. Oh, that's pretty cool with the purple and black flowers. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Not I saw lie. that and I was like, that I just, is one of the best I mean, shinies I saw. I guess it makes sense because you are into like grass poison type, but I just never saw Roselia as that strong of a Pokemon or that good of a Pokemon. Until you fight Cynthia. <laughs> well, yeah. She ends up having one and that, like, if you don't kill it in one hit, it will, like, fuck up your team. Oh, boy. Fucking Elite Four. What are you going to do? Yeah, especially <laughs> in uh, the remakes, they made her champion team, like, IV, EV, train with, like, the best natures that they could get. And, like, the best move sets and everything, like, for coverage. It was insane. Hmm. Um, one Pokemon that I also thought was pretty cool, I think you got me into this Pokemon, was uh, Krogunk, uh, Toxicroak. Oh, yeah. Toxicroak was a sweet one. Yeah. That one, just the poison in general, and then having that fighting uh, second element, I think second type, was really nice. I think what was it like flint had him which was weird because like he is a fire 
person, but like half his Pokemon weren't fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Sometimes the things that Nintendo uh, Game Freak does doesn't make sense. Really doesn't. Uh, I don't know if you also remember because I think this was after. This was either before or after. I think it was after you beat the uh, Pokemon League, become champion. You go, like, whatever part is the after credits, you accidentally walk into a house and you're forced to fight Cynthia. <laughs> yeah, I. It's yeah, because it's after, and she wants like a rematch or some shit. Yeah, I, don't know, I think you go. There's a specific town where Cynthia's from, and if you go there, she kind of goes back to home. Yeah, that's what it is. And then, like, if you're not prepared, and like either it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you get fucked up because like everything's one like of the things or something. Yeah, everyone. I know it's over said. Like everyone's like, oh, Cynthia's like the best. I really do think that she has like one of the most balanced champion teams granted like uh well lance wasn't really a champion he was like the final elite four because you had gary who uh was the champion he had a really diverse team but like steven had was all like generally steel type because um, they always want to show off like the new Pokemon and or like the new typing or whatever it is that is there, which is fine. But like Cynthia, if you didn't come prepared for her Pokemon, you weren't winning unless yeah, you, you were, were for a bad time over leveled spammed items. <laughs> yeah, like she was w- probably one of the only champions I actually had to be like. Well, shit, I actually had to box this Pokemon and train up this new one just so I can beat, like, a certain, like, one or two Pokemon of her. Where, like, the other champions, I'm like, eh, I may not have any super effective for this Pokemon, but I can brute force it. Cynthia, you couldn't really brute force a lot of her Pokemon because they would just fuck you up. So that running into just randomly like you don't even get time to save you get nothing you just minding your own business going into these houses and then bam in a battle with the champion <laughs> with whatever pokemon you happen to have at the time <laughs> yeah that was that was always something uh it it was interesting like i said it it was a fun little thing because then she a lot of times she got her revenge if you weren't already overleveled. But Spirit Tomb having no weaknesses was always a bitch to deal with. Yeah, I hated that Pokemon. That was not a fun one. I think my first time doing it, or I got so sick of it that I had someone learn like Toxic and I literally like poison stalled it. And just, like, recovered or used potions just to beat Spirit Tomb because, like, I had nothing that could go against it that could deal, like, good damage that wouldn't take a lot of damage in return that I would need for, like, future uh, Pokemon she had. (laughs) Mm -hmm. God. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I liked it when the Pokemon... Like, Elite Four was actually challenging to where I had to, like, 
choose my best Pokemon instead of just overleveling them to hell and just sweeping it that way. But yeah, you know, one thing. I mean, I know this is Diamond and Pearl yet again, but one thing I didn't like on Black and White, which we can talk about, is so say you beat the Elite Four, and then you can come back again and beat them again, and they the levels jump like 30 levels so they went from like 40s or 50s to 70s and 80s and that's fine and all but for that game because like you were just saying the thing that reminded me of it is like how you had to actually plan to beat them the thing about that game is after the elite four there was very little chance to level up your pokemon to that high of a level so it made it seem like they just wanted the elite four to be very very difficult rather than strategic to beat and i don't know diamond and pearl seems like they actually planned it to be strategic rather than difficult funny you mentioned that in the remakes if you beat the champion if you battle them again they will have higher levels but it kind of goes up by like five levels each time because you can do it you can beat them three times like the first time they're like I think Cynthia is like Garchomp's like 60 or like 61 or something like that. And then the second time it's like 66. And then the last time it's like 72. So they they go up in like five levels, which I think is perfect increments. Yeah, it's if you're manageable. Gonna, yeah, it's not 20 levels like that was. But it was also cool because if you, you could go back and re-challenge all the gems after your first time. Oh, that's cool. And they would have, like, a full team. So, like, Warwick, the first gym that only has, like, two Pokemon, whatever, whoever his Pokemon was in, like, Rampardos or uh, Craniados, now will have Rampardos, Tyranitar, Bastiodon, uh, Steelix. Uh, I, I don't know if it was Steelix, but uh, the other ones I know for sure he had. But, like, a full six-man team level 60s to fight you again and that that's was cool. cool that's how it should be done yeah and they would also increase based on how many times you beat the pokemon league so if you wanted to fight them all at level 60 you would have to fight them all then go back to the pokemon gym or league which was perfect because if you went around you can challenge them multiple times like i think well I don't know if it was once a day you could challenge them or if you could repeatedly ch- I just know you could continuously do it. But you could use those to train up your Pokemon to re-challenge the Pokemon League that's already higher level. So you didn't really have to like grind overly much in like Victory Road where the Pokemon were already like 10 levels lower than you. Where these people, if you beat it at similar levels, like your Pokemon are probably like si- between 60 and 65 already battling level 60 Pokemon six of them, eight gyms, you could probably raise each of your party members up a few levels to re-challenge Pokemon League and start the cycle all over again. Yeah, that's nice. That is a really good feature. And I I haven't played any of the newer gens or anything or remakes, so I don't know if that's going to be a continuing trend or not, but I hope it is. Uh, I'm not sure either. I just... I personally just beat the elite four and there's more to the story after you beat the elite four like actual story so i'm in that portion right now but i do wish 
and future Pokemon, I hope it's in this too, that when they do do that, I think it's cool that they raised up the Pokemon League, but even if they don't do that, at least do it to, like, after you beat them the first time, raise their levels up at least once, and then let me battle the Pokemon gyms at full strength, as if they were, like, the eighth gym leader. I think that is cool, because, like... Like I said, the first gym, if I had Turtwig with Razor Leaf, I was, I, it was no challenge. But now with Torterra, I can't just sweep because they can actually deal damage to me also and kill me. <laughs> so it was cool seeing like all the different gym leaders that you never get to see with full teams have a full team and fight them. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. No, <laughs> um, yeah, that I do like the fact that though you said the the storyline continues in the newest game after the Elite Four because after the Elite Four, there's like this whole anticlimactic like, oh, the game's over. What do I do now? I like that they have it continue on afterwards. That's a nice little addition to not feeling so disappointed when you beat the Elite Four and it's like, okay, now what? Yeah, so slight spoilers for the new gen. I don't know if it's really spoilers because, I mean, when you start the game, there's a big, like, hole, I guess is the best way to describe it, in the map like uh, that's, like, locked out, you can't get into. And the only way you can do that is if you beat the Elite Four and do uh, other things because when you play the game not only do you have to battle eight gyms you have to defeat five gangs which is all part of like the same team the like villain team of this thing is uh team star but they have five different bosses you have to go around and beat and then five titan pokemon which are just like super powered pokemon that you have to like boss pokemon you have to fight so you have to complete all of that in order to get to the final portion of the game. Hmm. Damn. Very interesting. Um, but I, I think Damn. I will kind of use your question that you asked me earlier for the question of the day was, what is your favorite Pokemon, whether it's because of looks, typing, battling? What is your favorite type of Pokemon for this gen? Yeah, I would love to hear it because this they have really some really cool ones in this gen. So I would like to see everyone's opinions on who the best was. Or and if oh. you, or for a slightly different one, since uh, we already asked that. Also, what was your first team you used to beat uh, the Pokemon League? Mm. Like, what was your Hall of Fame team? What levels were they? Were you over leveled or did you strategize? Mm, interesting i like and on that I, that'll be or we have uh two facts for this episode and they are at the g4's geforia geforia 2007 uh the games won a best handheld game and were nominated for best rpg and in 2008 pokemon diamond and pearl were nominated for the british academy of film and television arts children's kids vote award that's a mouthful <laughs> In IGN's best of 20, 
2007 awards, Diamond and Pearl were named the best Nintendo DS online multiplayer games and the best Nintendo DS RPG games of the year. And in 2006, um, Famitsu Games Game Awards, Diamond and Pearl won the best hit award and tied with Final Fantasy Twelve for Game of the Year. And for the second fact, because that was <laughs> that was one, uh, so that was all the awards they won, which was crazy amount of awards for like three years in a row. Uh, competitive battling in Pokemon became much more popular with Diamond and Pearl, as we kind of mentioned with their whole system revamp. Uh, the sp- a physical special split allowed Pokemon such as Gengar and Gyarados to use their higher attacking stat and gave special slash physical coverage moves to formerly all physical slash all special types. And online play made Pokemon battling pos- possible all over the world. So really it was about just changing up the system to be a little more, um, to get the full potential out of it, but then also just accessibility really let the battle system blossom and that'll be it for this episode so don't forget to show some love and support at patreon.com slash weebspawn and of course don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at weebspawn and you can contact us at weebspawn at gmail.com thank you guys all for listening i've been your host bobby and i'm joshua and we will see you guys next time when we weebspawn <laughs>